You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Hallelujah. So Father, we bless you. We thank you for today. We thank you for what you've been doing, what you're going to do. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and where you're taking us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are continuing today with our series, Growing in Stature. Um, I guess if you want a title, you can call it uh, Continuing continuing with the Life of Abraham, because that's what we're doing. We're continuing having a look at his life. Uh, just one or two things we'll pull out. There's obviously years and years and years, decades worth of information, content we can pull out. We're just going to pull out one or two things. Amen. Hallelujah. As we continue to grow in stature. As we continue to grow in stature. <clears throat> Why is stature important? Well, I'm sure we've made that case, but let me, let me mention one more thing. Why is stature important? It's one of the few things we can carry with us to heaven one day. Amen? It's one of the few things we can carry with us to heaven one day. Where we end here determines where we start there. So think about it like this. It, it, wouldn't, be, it, wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be okay if, um, um, if one... That's my nephew. It's okay. He's obviously... He's, I think he, maybe he's miss, missing me. So, or maybe he's missing his dad. Anyway, so... Um, what wouldn't, be, what wouldn't be fair is if, you know, someone lived their entire life for God, okay? So you imagine, he lives his entire life. He, he's committed to the Lord, him or she, him, he or she, committed to the Lord. He, he sacrifices, etc., etc. And then someone kind of, you know, touches here and there, touch and go. Now get, they get to heaven and everyone's, you know, is in the same, has the same stature, has the same position. Everything is just completely equalized when you get to heaven. Think about it, because otherwise what happens is it doesn't really matter how you live here then. Think about it, because all you've got to do is make it. If it's, if it's only about making it, well then, you know, you know, do what you can. Try and kind of, you know, hedge your bets so you don't go too extreme and, you know, sort of graduate before your time. But kind of stay somewhere in the middle, and then you'll get to heaven and, well, then the real life starts there. Well, if that was the case, then I guess there's most of what's written in the Bible is irrelevant. It doesn't matter how you live, what you do, do you grow, do you put an extra effort, it doesn't matter as long as you make it. Amen? Well, I don't think it is like that. It's definitely not like that. There's, there's rewards, there's different things, but stature is one of the things that we carry with us to heaven. But here's what's important. By the time you get to heaven, it's very clear Amen? It's okay. You'll be okay. It's a baby. It's fine. You'll, you'll settle down. You'll think whatever. You'll be okay. <clears throat> so, stature is something that um, by the time you get to heaven, it's clear where you stand. It's clear who you are. Then it's not hidden. Here, to a certain extent, we go through different seasons. I remember there was one, there was one, there was one, someone who went to heaven tried to remember who it was, but he had a, one of, the, one of the, the, the encounters he had when he went to heaven, there were people walking around and they had these, like, these scrolls, they were walking around with scrolls, and the length of the scroll was different depending on the person, and what that told you, that told you a lot about how they'd lived their life on earth, 
It wasn't necessarily a story. You don't go up and read the scroll. But what I'm saying is that there was a length and the, the, level of, the length of the scroll even had to do with your authority, your stature, your standing. So this is important. You see, once we get to heaven one day, growth is not only a lot slower, but it's more standardized because everything is equal. We don't have, you know, there's not really chance to sacrifice. There's not chance to, you know, sort of go the extra mile more than anyone else. Everyone's energy is the same. Everyone's ability is the same. Everyone's standpoint, everyone's resources. Hallelujah. Everything that everyone has is exactly the same. So you've all got this exactly the same resources. So by the time you get to, um, by the time you get to heaven one day, your stature is going to be very clear. Amen. So what am I saying? I'm saying that stature is something that is not just important for now. You carry it with you for eternity. Amen. And by the time we get to heaven, everyone grows at the same rate. Because everything is equal. Or majority, almost the same rate. Everything is equal. So... Whatever you're going to do concerning stature, the benefits, you know, we're going to have and all of that. The benefits, we're going to have this side. And everything that, there's going to, that you're going to walk in that side as a result of where you end up, this is the ground. This is the training ground. This is the ring. This is the place where it gets developed and it gets established. Hallelujah. Amen. It doesn't, yeah, this is where it happens. This is why it's important. And that's why we can grow quicker here because, you know, think about it. God looks down and you've got two people and they're sacrificing at different levels. You know, the one's kind of giving a little bit and the other one's really giving a lot. Maybe the outside world can't see it, but God knows because he sees the heart. And if those two ended up exactly the same once they got to heaven, then there's something wrong with, you know, accounting and mathematics. And I, don't th and I think that, you know, because God invented it, I don't think there's anything wrong with his accounting. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's, let's delve into that. That was just, yeah, that was the introduction. So let's delve into it. We're going to look, I think, probably at where Abraham started, and I think we're going to end up where he ended up, and then we're going we're gonna to close. And don't worry, we're not going to do too much in between, because otherwise we'll be here for a long time. So that's, we're going to start and finish, and then, then round it all up. Sure. Stature not only has value in this life, but in the life to come. If that isn't enough reason as to why we need to keep growing in stature, then hopefully by the end of this, if not already, you'll see one or two things about destiny and purpose. Amen. Okay, we're going to start off Genesis chapter 11. So this is where we see the beginning of the life of Abraham. And it's just interesting, just bear in mind as we grow, as we go, just the different growth the, the different place of growth we see, you know, as we continue in these lives. So let's start off. We're going to go Genesis eleven thirty one. <clears throat> we'll start off there. And it says, and Terah, this was Abraham's um, <clears throat> father. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran, 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 whichever, and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years. And Terah died in Haran. We'll read on a little bit in a moment. So Terah is Abraham's father. Um, he decided to go with him. I remember past, what Pastor Eric told us one time. You mentioned it. Um, I can't remember when it was. He mentioned the word terror 
means delay. So Abraham, there was a delay in him, in, 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 I guess according to God's original timing, because of the way he approached where he was. And that also had to do with his level of growth and level of understanding where he was. Because look at this. If we read verse, chapter 12 from verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said. So, so now, now they finally traveled to Iran and now Terah's died. And now it says, God, the Lord had said. So this was past tense. God has said it before. The Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, <clears throat> and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation and bless you. And it carries on. We'll get there later. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Just looking at those four verses, I don't know what you think about how, you know, if that was a scorecard, what do you think, if that was out of four, I don't know what you think Abraham got. Give it a, th give it a thought for a moment. I'd say... Definitely not, not four out of four, definitely not three, probably two out of four. He probably got two if you were scoring him. So let's see, what, is it, what did God say to him? He said, get out of your country. Okay, so country left. They left Ur of the Chaldeans, they went on to Canaan. So, okay, one. From your family? Uh, not so, not so much. <clears throat> From your father's house? Not so much. <laughs> to a land I will show you. So get out of your country and go somewhere. So he got number one and number four right. He left and he went somewhere. Because you can see, it's, it's interesting, you can see that they all went, uh, where does it say here, um, the end of verse 31, it says, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to the land of Canaan. So that's where, they were, that's where they were going. It wasn't coincidence, it's because of what God spoke to Abraham. Maybe he shared it with his father and he was like, oh cool, let's all go, I don't know what happened. But they all went. But now the important thing to see here is, this is where Abraham was at. This was his level of growth, development, all that. He couldn't leave his family behind. So, and it's not, it's nothing to do, it's not negative on family or not on family. It's God gave him a specific instruction and he was only able to keep part of it. He wasn't able to fulfill it completely. Is, was it an easy instruction? No, definitely not. No one's saying it was easy, but God said it. So it's, you know, then you have to stand before God one day and you can have a discussion about, you know, should I, shouldn't I, it was easy, it was, no, no, no. This is what God said. And if God said it, the grace is there to carry it out. Hallelujah. So he moved, he went, but he went, you know, with pretty much his entire family. And what happened? That ended up causing a delay. So it caused a delay, and then he ended up moving from there. And then we see going, going further downwards, if we go to 12, um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and all of that. So he was at a point, and it's interesting if you contrast this with where he was now, and then you, you look at the life of Abraham later in the book, you can see the growth. Because God gave an instruction. So as far as obedience went, he was able to leave his country, he was able to leave um, and go to another place, but leaving his family behind, he wasn't able to. And because he partially obeyed what God said, it caused a delay in God's original plan for his life, or his plan for that season. It's as simple as that. So he, 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 did, he got some of it right, but I guess if you get some of it right, you only get some of what you're supposed to get. You know, you can't get some of it right and then get everything. It doesn't work like that. So he got some of it right, and therefore he got some. He made a bit of distance, but then, yeah, there was a significant delay, 
and then the delay was there until his father finally passed away, and then only did he move, and we can see that. So we've looked, we carried on looking um, at, uh, we looked at uh, chapter 12, verse 10, 11, 12. We looked at that when he went down to Egypt. We looked at that quite a bit last week. We don't have to um, look at that again. But then we see as he went into Egypt, we see what took place. So um, we see that he told Sarah, listen, please um, pretend to be my sister, et cetera, et cetera. And then they did that for a while and there was even some benefit he got. And then he eventually traveled back to where he should have been in chapter 13. But all this does is it gives us a bit of a window into where Abraham was at. Amen? Where his, where his growth was at, where his understanding was at, where his level in life was at. So he was more at a, I guess, a bit more of a basic level. And then you, as we go on, we see him progressing from there. Amen? So this is where he, this is where he finds himself. So he's, he, he meets famine, as we said last week, becomes a bit discouraged, travels down to somewhere, leaves where he was supposed to be, goes somewhere else. And then further on, he now, he now gets there. He can't tell the truth. He has to lie to be able to, I guess, uh, for fear and uncertainty and a whole lot of things. And it's not to say that, you know, we may not have done that in that situation. You know, it's easy to look at it from the outside, but we can still look at it and draw principles and say, look, if we faced with that going forward, would we do that? So he's in, there's fear, there's uncertainty, and then obviously he responds a certain way. And then finally, chapter 13, um, he gets back to, we see he gets back to where, he, where he's supposed to be. Now, um, it's, very, it's very interesting. This is, this is, chapter 13 is very significant if we look at that in the life of Abraham. So he's now come back, Lot is with him, and it said, um, Lot also went with Abraham, as verse 5, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, <clears throat> um, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and Perizzites dwelt in the land. So we see Abraham, and if you read on, I mean, we know the story. We see how Abraham responded, which is very unusual. You would have expected, so he said to Lot, okay, you know what? There's strife between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. There's not enough space for us. What I'd like, so you decide, you pick the best part and I'll take whatever's left. Sort of unusual, you'd expect it to be the other way around. You know, the more senior would normally pick, and then the, you know, the more junior would just, I guess, you know, just take whatever they can get. Um, I mean, the reason he's blessed is probably because of Abraham in the first place. But be that as it may, then he has to rescue him a couple of times later. That, but that's, that's, where he, that's where Lot was. That, was. that was Lot. So Abraham then says to him, look, you go and choose. He chooses, and then we see, then it goes on to the end of 13. But there's something very critical that comes up here. And that's, we see, a, we see a principle in operation, which I think, um, yeah, we can learn a lot from. So it's the principle of meekness. So meekness has to do with, you know, how you engage with people and all of that. So, so meekness is important. It doesn't mean weakness. So you say you, so here's the thing. Meekness, you respond in a certain way, almost out of choice, knowing who you are. So you know who you are. You know what you're capable of. You know what you can do, maybe even what you have a right to, what you can accomplish in a situation, either in a, in a situation or connected with a person. You know what you can do, but you choose to respond a certain way. That's meekness. 
So the Bible says, um, it's Matthew, I think it's Matthew 5, it says that um, in the Beatitudes, it says the meek shall inherit the earth. That's just interesting to think about for a second. So one of the, it doesn't say inheriting the earth about anything else, it says the meek shall inherit the earth. So even though meekness flies a little bit in the face of our society and what they say and how we should be, notwithstanding, the Bible seems to say it's quite important. If you look at that word meekness, um, you can go and look at it in the, in, the, in the New King James, you can look at it in the King James as well, you see all the benefits that come. It's incredible. It talks about salvation, talks about joy, talks about prosperity. Because if you're meek, you know, if you decide, look, this is what I have a right to, but I feel I should respond like this. You respond like that, God will then back you up. That's, that's, that's almost stepping back and saying, okay, God, I'm giving you room to do whatever you want to do. And then, you know, whatever he does is a lot better than us. So he responded, so Abraham responded in meekness. And then we see the end of chapter 13, which we'll get to. Then there was obviously something that came as a result of that. So we can see with regards to stature, there's some growth that's starting to take place. Amen. He's starting to grow in different areas. and He's starting to progress. So we saw him where he was right in the beginning. And I don't know if he would have been a lot better than many of us. Or maybe he's not better than me. I don't know how I would have responded. First time you're hearing God and now you engage with famine and a whole lot of things. Anyway, that's where he was. But now we see some growth starting to take place. So we see them separate. And then um, 16, he starts promising. He promises him some, some things. And in 17, it says, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width. For I give it to you. It's a lot that can be said here. But arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. So, you know, it's interesting also that that scripture says the meek shall inherit the earth. Talking about inheritance and talking about land. And you see how he responds. And you see now what God does is he now clarifies he takes it to another level with regards to his promise. Because he said, I'll give you land, I'll take you somewhere. Now he's saying, look, this is what the boundaries are. Amen. You know, this, is, this, is, this kind of clarifies the land, this land that I'm giving you, this clarifies it a little bit. Why? Because he, had a, he encountered something and he responded the right way. So as we continue to grow in stature, that's part of the, the reason why the benefits come. Because as we grow in stature, there are things not only connected with those different levels, but every time we respond the right way, something is added to us. And this was the key to Abraham, to um, things opening up for him in a greater measure, was him responding the right way to his nephew in a situation which culturally, forget then, even today, you know, that would be culturally frowned upon. Even today, not just, I mean, back then it was even more serious. So, you know, it took a lot. But even today it would be culturally frowned upon. He responded the right way, I guess, because we see how things played out. And then, but we can tell that he's growing. Hallelujah. Okay. So, quickly, if we go over to, let's see. Uh, let's go to Genesis 15. 15 verse, from verse 1. It says, after these things, <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abram, I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Again, we looked at that last, we looked at that last week. Abraham now responds. He's not quite understanding God completely because he says, but Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? 
Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your your heir. Then he brought him outside and he said, look towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Amen. So, what we're, so what we're starting to see here, um, we're starting to see the, the, the covenant aspect starting to come into play. We're starting to see things clarify from chapter 12. But what happens now is God speaks to Abraham and he says to him, look, um, one coming from your own body is going to be your heir. So before he told him, you know, you're going to have descendants and all of that sort of thing. I don't know what. Abraham thought about how these descendants were going to come. Or maybe God had spoken and he was like, oh, you know, that's nice. You know, kind of, you know, sort of like God said something and okay, let me just shelve that because I can't, I'm not really sure what to do with that. Let me deal with what's ahead of me. So we're kind of going to a new place. I know that's where I must go. There's some benefits there, but this other one, you know, is a bit challenging. So let me put that to the side. Because he says to him in verse two, he says, he says, well, God says, I'm your exceedingly great reward. And a reward is something given to you, and it's probably linked with, you know, how he acted in the previous chapter. And then he says, I mean, anything can be a reward. And then he, then he says to, then Abraham says, Lord God, what will you, so I'll be your reward. And then he says, what will you give me, seeing as I go childless? Yes. You know, I don't think he kind of understood that God, and there I don't think he thought God is able to do something like that. Yeah. He was still growing. He was still going forward. Now, so God, so <clears throat> God is also releasing. Here's the other thing about stature, which is important. God is releasing to him, little bit by little bit, according to what he can swallow as to how this thing is going to work out. Where are we going to go? What the next step is? What the next whatever? Um, how things are going to work out? How I'm going to make that? According to what he can digest, that's what God was releasing. Couldn't really, he couldn't digest anymore. That's why God didn't give it to him. That's why we need to keep growing in stature. Amen. Speedily, as speedily as we can. Because there are things God won't release. He won't say, I guess we can't even handle unless we're at a certain place. Okay. And we don't obviously want to, we don't obviously want to be delayed there. So, let's give me one second. Um, and, then we, and then if we go to... And then if we go on to, uh, where is it now? Uh, verse, verse 18, it says, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Again now he's clarifying things. He's making it even more clearer. So Abraham's now moved to another level. And you can see what happened in chapter 15. A lot took place there. He's moved to another level. So he's now, God's clarifying again. Okay, you know what? This is the land. This is now, it's making everything clearer. But here's where I want to go to. So chapter 17, this is what it says. 17 verse 1. Now Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Okay, we looked at that last week. Verse 2, I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. So let's stop there. I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. 
Some of the promises he gave Abraham in the beginning are now starting to be established. They're moving out of promise. Remember, if you look at 12, chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, um, the f- verse 1 is a promise. Verse 2 is, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great. You will be a blessing. Blessed those who curse you. Curse him who bless you. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now what he's saying to him, the end of verse 2, and I will multiply you exceedingly. So in other words, he gave him this big, big promise which covers his entire life pretty much his entire life right at the beginning. And now what's happening is you can see every different stage of growth, different new aspects of this promise are starting to be established. So he's now at the point of multiply you exceedingly. And you can see as we go on from there, that's when this kicked into place. So there, there also, with regards to our calling and what God says, there are specific things that are pegged at every level of growth. Amen. So in other words, you grow and there's something there. There's not only information, but there's realities that sit there. So every time you grow, there's something that's pegged there. So for, for one of the things for Abraham was now um, exceeding exponential, enormous, amazing multiplication. That's where he, that was now the, the level he'd got to. That's what was taking place. Why? Because he'd continued to grow. He'd continued to press. He'd continued to go forward. Verse 3. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall now be a father of many nations. Hallelujah. What's now starting to happen is God is starting to reveal to Abraham, Abram, now Abraham in the next verse from there onwards, how is this all going to work out? Okay, so how is this going to play out? So I've given you this promise, you know, in you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. You know, I will, you know, you're going to go to a new land. I'm going to give you this land. Your descendants will inherit the land, all of that. Now he's starting to show him, okay, how is this going to play out? Well, one of the things is you're going to be a father of many nations. Amen. Then number two, we see... Here he changes his name um, in verse 5. What's important, what we can see from here is, as we continue growing in stature, our calling, purpose, destiny, or let me leave it, our calling is clarified. So every step we take in growth, things become clearer and clearer and clearer. Amen. Think of Abraham. In the beginning, it was just a promise. Go to another land, and there's a whole lot of things that went with that. Probably most of which he didn't believe, or some of which he didn't believe, because he, God said, I, I, creator of the universe, am your reward, which means there's nothing I can't give you. And then he says, God, what will you give? So I'm your reward. There's nothing I can't give you. Lord, what will you give me? I don't have a child. So, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't quite got there yet. It wasn't quite clicking. So what we do is we and that's, that's all he had. And then where, where were we before that? 14, 15, then he gets, okay, so it's going to come from your body. He doesn't say how, because we can see at the end of 17, he starts laughing. He's like, uh, from Sarah, are you sure? So he gave him what he could. But can you see how things are getting clearer? If Abraham hadn't continued to grow in stature, things would have stayed as murky as they were. And they wouldn't have got, it would have stayed where they were, they wouldn't have got. So every time we grow, God not only adds more because we can handle more, but things become clearer. So, oh, okay, 
not only is, okay, God said this and that, okay, no, that, that sounds like, you know, sort of a, a mandate, for example, for my entire life. That sounds amazing. And you take another couple of steps and you're like, oh, this now makes a lot more sense. Yeah, he did say that, but now I can start to see. You know, it's almost being fleshed out. It's becoming clearer. And that's what happens as we continue to grow. So, number one, your destiny becomes clearer. So if we stop growing, God stops. Well, I guess he'll continue speaking because he loves us, but small little things. But as far as the overall picture, he's going to stop talking if we, if we stop growing, number one. Number two, the steps of how we're going to get there also become clearer. More and more of them are revealed. So not only is the overall picture clearer, but how are we going to get there? That's also clearer. Because we can see here, verse 5, so he says, you'll be a father of many nations. Okay, now that's starting to make sense. No longer shall your name be Abram, exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of many nations. For I have made you a father of many nations. So he even now gets to a point where God changes his name. And that's not just to encourage him. With that name change, there was a, there was a divine release as well. So he now started to walk into that. Why? Because he'd progressed to a certain level of stature. He'd grown to a certain place. Amen. Amen. And then we carry on. Um, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and all of that, etc., etc. And I'll make nations out of you. So, and we carry on, carry on, carry on. Um, so your calling becomes clearer. Your, the steps to get there are clearer. And now what happens, and last thing I want to say before we move off 17, is he then in um, 15 and 16, God says, to, God says to Abraham, well, this is how it's going to work. So your descendants are going to inherit all of this land. There's a huge amount they're going to inherit. Okay, there's a, there's, there's, um, your heir is going to come from your own body. That's fine. Now he says, by the way, your wife, which is you know, far past age of anything, um, is she's the one who's going to have that child. And you see, obviously, you know, he laughs a bit, and then, you know, Sarah laughs later, and, you know, eventually everyone gets on the same page, and we all move forward, and there's a child, and, you know, the rest is history, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of that. So, but um, God, he couldn't, can you imagine, if he told him in the beginning, if he'd said to him, look, I need you to leave Earl the Chaldeans, and you're going to go somewhere. And by the way, your wife, your wife Sarah, because he left when he was 75. That's when he left. That's what it says. Your wife Sarah is going to have a child. <laughs> He'd be like, you know what? No, no matter what vision I had, no matter what I saw, like I think I'm just going to hang around here. You know, I, I don't think I'm going to, I don't know who of you would have traveled. I don't know if I would. You know, God's like, listen, you know, your wife who's far past anything, she's going to have a child. So the barrenness is not going to continue. Amen. I don't think he would have left. So that's why if we delay our growth in stature, there's so much more we delay that we don't realize. So much more we delay. And that, I mean, we only get to do this once. You know, there's, no, there's no kind of rinse and whatever, come back and repeat. We get to do this once. We need to keep growing. Okay, verse 20 and 21 are quite interesting as well. So this is what it, so we see, so chapter 20 and 21. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 20, we see that Abraham now, similarly to what he did in Egypt, he goes, he travels down, there's Abimelech, he's called Abimelech, king of, of uh, Gerar, 
And so he goes to see him, and he goes, he goes into his land. So what happens now is the same situation that happened in, um, uh, what do you call it, in Egypt. The same thing happened in Egypt. What he does, he says, listen, um, this is my sister. Please say that you're my sister. So, you know, I don't know the people of the land, etc., etc." So he says that. Then what happens is the king realizes, obviously he gets in trouble. They eventually leave. But it's the same thing playing out again. But here's what's interesting. Here's what's really interesting. If you go to chapter 21 and you have a look from verse 22 downwards, that same person, that same individual who he was scared of, he thought they're going to kill me, they're going to do this, they're going to do this. So I have to lie in order for, um, to get through, in order to tell my wife to lie so that you know, they don't do anything negative to me. That same individual with the commander of his army comes to Abraham and asks, can I make a covenant? And then he does, obviously does the same thing with Abraham's son, with Isaac, you know, later if you read on. This same person he was so scared of, he was so afraid of, he thought they were going to kill him. Later, he comes to Abraham and says, listen, I want to make a covenant with you. Please, what does it say here? Um, Do not deal, just give me a second. Um, Verse 23, chapter Genesis 21, 23. Now therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity. This is, so this is the king of a nation speaking. Wow. Just, I mean, this isn't, you know, the guy who's got a little castle down the road. Yeah. You know, this is, the, this is the king of an entire nation. Amen. He's brought the commander of his army. You know, I mean, if he's, you know, if the, it probably wasn't a couple. It's the commander of his army. So they had a, a really, a, sort of a significantly sized army. And an army is obviously there to protect a significantly sized nation. It doesn't matter how big the nation was. It's not clear. But the king of the nation and the commander of the army approach Abraham and say, listen, we'd like to make a covenant with you. Please promise me you won't deal deceitfully with me. Please promise me, even the generations after me, you'll be kind to them, you'll keep your word, you'll honor your word. Something happened. Something took place. That stature. That is, and that's why we need to be growing. Amen. That's why, that's why we need to continue growing. The same person he was hiding from, he was lying to, he was afraid of, yeah. now approached him and said, listen, <laughs> it makes me feel uncomfortable just that you're in my vicinity. Please, can we make a covenant? Please can, in other words, please can you be on my side? Yes, yes. If a battle happens, promise that you will join my team and you won't fight against me. That's basically what he was saying. Listen, please, I know you're close. If you don't have my best interest at heart, I'm in trouble. How does that contrast with what we saw before? With the same person who was hiding, who was afraid, and the king didn't really pay much attention. Never mind from Abraham's side, even from the king's side. He was like, oh, okay. Then he rebukes him. He's like, listen, you know, and he goes and speaks sternly. And then I think he gives, I think it's a thousand pieces of silver, whatever it is. And this is, and then Sarah was rebuked. I think that's how it played out. That's not someone who's afraid of Abraham in the slightest. I think he was afraid of God who appeared to him and said, listen, if you don't let this guy go, I'm going to kill you and your entire household. That put the fear of God into him. He responded, he gave Abraham money because he was afraid of God, not Abraham. Not the least bit. But now we get to 21 
after Isaac is born, you know, after Hagar and Ishmael depart. So there's some other things which have taken place. And then we see he's like, listen, please can we make a covenant? Please be on my side. I, I, I want you, you are in my vicinity and I cannot afford not to have you on my side. Something changed. It's not the same Abraham that went there in chapter 20. If that's not enough, yeah, we need to, we need to keep growing in stature. Amen. Amen. Completely different person. And a completely different person gets completely different results. Those same people which were, you can see how it was, are now approaching and saying, listen, please. Not even, not even like, listen, you know, let's have a meeting. It's like, please promise me, promise me you will not go against me. You will not deal deceitfully. You will not swear falsely. Promise me what you're saying you will hold up to. Because if you don't, I'm in trouble. This is the king of an entire nation with the commander of his army. Which means he wasn't, I mean, just the more you think about it, the more it blows your mind. He wasn't embarrassed to say that in front of the commander of his army. There must have been some growth that took place. Something happened. You know, to go by himself, you know, like, like a secret night meeting, no one else knows, listen, you know, let's just agree, you know, you keep to your place, I keep to my place, it's fine. Like, this was out in the open. You know, Abraham even planted a tree afterwards and all of that. This was out in the open with the commander of his army. If there's anyone who has to respect him, it's the commander of his army. They saw something. They knew something. They were like, listen, forget Forget being proud. Forget all of that. It's got to a point where if we don't have this guy on our side, we are done. Me with my entire army. I'm done. I need Abraham on my side. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So let's quickly, let's quickly, go, to, let's quickly go to 22. Um, here we see everything, everything coming. To, I'm just going to read 22. Then we'll make some comments. So now it came to pass after these things. You see how much, how much it taken? So Isaac was born, Hagar Ishmael departed, he made a covenant with Abimelech, and then probably some years went on, you know, um, planted a tree and all of that. And then it says, now it came to pass after these things <clears throat> that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Different responses to in the past, like, okay, God, whatever you're saying, I'm here. Then he said, take now your son, your own, I always smile at this passage because take now your son, your only son, Isaac, the one whom you love. And go, I think this, this is probably all for our, more for our benefit than, than his. And Abraham knew all of this. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Immediate obedience, verse 3. Abraham rose early in the morning, not even like, let's have breakfast, let's, you know, not even. Immediately he left. I don't even know if this, if this made sense. Well, if we, or if we, if we read in Hebrews, um, it's Hebrews or Acts, I think it's Hebrews, it says that, um, Abraham believed that God would, even if Isaac died, God would raise him back to life again. So that's what he's, he's like, look, it got to a point where he believed God to such an extent. He's like, look, this is the child that the legacy is continuing. 
whether it happens in a way that I thought or whether it happens in a different way, whether he goes and comes back or whatever, this is happening. He was that convinced. I mean, being able to look a situation square in the face and saying, God, what your word says is true. It might not even make sense. I might not even, but what you say is true. That's growth. So, can you see the difference between where he is now and where he was right in the beginning? I mean, it's just, it's a completely different person. It's a completely different life. So we see him in the beginning and it was like, listen, leave your family, uh, leave your father's house, your, obviously your country and go to a land I show you. Obedience was a bit of a challenge. Now he said, listen, um, your son... Go and sacrifice him on a mountain. You know, the, your only son, the one that you love. Like, everyone knows it's the only son. Everyone knows it's the one that he loves because he, he sent the other one away. So, go and, go and sacrifice your son. And he says, yes, I'll do that immediately. As, you, as we continue to grow in stature, think about, I mean, he's now got, he's now got Isaac. He's not, so much has happened in Abraham's life because he continued to grow. Even before 22, even before 22, if he'd looked back, even in 20 when Abimelech came to make a covenant to him, even before that, if he'd looked back and compared where he was in chapter 12, end of 11, 12, do you think he could have ever imagined where he would have been standing, what would have taken place in his life? I don't think so. No ways. There's not a chance he would have been able to imagine. But if he'd stayed where he was, none of this would have taken place. There would have been some benefits. Yeah, he got some few benefits. Yeah, he went to Egypt. It says he grew a little bit in cattle and sheep and everything. And that was about it. That's about all he got. If he'd stayed and hadn't continued, this whole new world opened up to Abraham. And we're going to see, so the book of Romans, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, says Abraham is, is heir to the world. That's where he progressed to. Because he continued to grow. Anyway, so verse 3 says, And Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him <clears throat> and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Amen. Going back a couple of verses, it says here, then on the, wait, where's verse 3? Okay, early in the morning, went to the place of which God told him. Verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. On the third day, he lifted his eyes and saw a place afar off. Let me just make a brief comment. Let me not make any more comment other than I believe this series <clears throat> and what God is saying to us as individuals is going to bring about a third day experience for each one of us. We've, even if you haven't been in church, you know what happened on the third day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 
the, the, everything we see around us is a, as, as a result of the third day. As we, so in other words, like we said last week, God is saying different things to each one of us. We're in different places, different stages, different circumstances, different everything. Put two people together, and once you've spoken for more than a couple of minutes, you'll find that you know, their, their space is different. God is saying different things to each one of us. As we take what he's saying, excuse me, to me, it could be whatever it is. To you, it's something else. As you take that and apply it, there's a third day experience waiting just for you. I don't believe, so we've seen the benefits of stature. We've seen it's, it's great and it does so many things. But even more than that, there must be a, there must be, it's, it's for more than that. It's not just for, um, you know, oh, a couple of benefits as we go along and whatever. No, no, no. There's something much, much more God is doing for this, the city, for our families, for our destinies. I mean, think about it. Abraham had no idea, no idea what, when he, when he saw himself in chapter 12, compared to where he was going to end up and the experiences he was going to, he had no clue what he was going to see. Same for us. We probably have no clue as to what is still going to play out. And this aspect of stature is obviously critical. So whatever God is saying to us as individuals, to you, he's saying, listen, do this, stop that, more of this, emphasize this, adjust that, whatever it is he's doing, or whatever he's given you a revelation of, it's like, wow, I never saw God like this. Or, oh, okay, I never saw, I didn't want to say giving, tithing, whatever it might mean, outreach, whatever it is, I never saw it like that. And as you act on that revelation, I believe there's going to be a third day experience for each one of us. That's what God wants to bring about for each one of us through this series, a third day experience. But the key is what is he saying to you and how is the application looking? Is the application happening? Then, then it's only a matter of time. Amen. Amen. So he looked up on the third day. <clears throat> he lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. He said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder to worship and we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. They came to the place. He put the wood in order. And then verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And then let's, let's carry over. Um, there's a ram caught, caught in the thicket in 13. Abraham, then verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord <clears throat> called to Abraham a second time of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord. And that's, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess 
the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And that's where, it, that's where it concludes at the end of 18, because you have obeyed my voice. And you can see what all of this opened up. You see, here's the thing with, with walking with God. Abraham had got to a point where he was just like, okay, God, well, whatever you say, it doesn't matter, I'll do it. It doesn't matter, I'll do it. He didn't know that all of this was going to be firmly established and this was like a, a final step in the, in, the, in the journey God was taking. He didn't know that. He just knew, okay, God speaks, I do it. And then he, there's no way, I mean, look at this. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. Um, 24 says, God had blessed, um, sorry, chapter 24 verse 1 says, God had blessed Abraham in all things. So this, this was firmly established by the step that he took. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And, in your, and your descendants shall possess the, gates of the gate of their enemies. Look at the benefits for his descendants after him because of how he lived and how he grew in stature. Like your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies because you listen to my voice. <laughs> I mean, that, that, like that's mind-blowing. They will, they will be victorious. There's no enemy they can't defeat because you listened, because you obeyed. Because you sacrificed, because it was difficult, and because it was hard, and because you kept going, and it didn't make sense, and you trusted me when I didn't understand, we didn't understand. Because you did all of that, there's, no, there's probably no battle that your descendants won't win. Doesn't matter what's gone before, it has to start somewhere. If we decide so, it can start with us. You can draw a line in the sand in our generation, in our life, where we are, and say from here, things are different. Even whether you, got a, whether you think you got an amazing inheritance or whether you think you didn't get an amazing inheritance. It doesn't, I mean, yeah, I don't know what we can say too much about Abraham's inheritance. There may have been some material things, but as far as spiritual content and everything else, there were idol worshippers, and the dad delayed him for 35, I don't know how many decades. So that was, in, that was his inheritance. Everything else he had to work out as he was going. So whether we had the best start in life or whether we didn't have the best start in life, we can make a decision to take a stand and the generations, I don't know about, I don't know what it does for you, but it's just the thought of those who come after me having benefits because of how I lived. Like that's enough to keep me going. I mean, that, that really is enough to keep me... It's like, God, like, God is amazing. We always talk about... I've forgotten who was saying it, but oh, I think it was in, the, in, the, in one of the morning prayer meetings. I think it was... Yeah, I think it was actually Sunday, uh, Monday. It was Pastor Simon, I think. He was saying, we often talk about the negatives that happen with regards to families. You know, like there's this generational, this that got passed down or that. And it could, be, it could be a spiritual thing. It could be just a natural thing, a challenging whatever, start or some kind of a challenge, which because of what happened there, there's something that accrues over here. We often talk about that, but we don't always, we don't look so much at the positive things. There's definitely stuff we've all inherited. We might not be able to see all of it, number one. But number two, there's this principle, which is 
so much more magnificently powerful than the negative. God visits the iniquity of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. But to those who love him, can any one of you count to a thousand? <laughs> Amen. Amen. To generations and generations and generations. He says he'll show his kindness to a thousand generations. Thousands after him. Generations upon generations upon generations. Because of how we lived. Because of the decisions we made. Because when it didn't make sense, we took a stand. Because when God said something, it was hard. And we kept standing. And we went to Egypt and famine greeted us. And we didn't give up. And you know, you didn't have a child again. And again. And again. And now it sounds like it's going to come through your wife, which is like, really? Is that your answer to my prayer? Like, how, how does that even help me? Like, that's not even possible. But he kept going. He kept standing. And yeah, there was a mistake or two. And he repented. And he kept going. And he believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness in what it says in chapter 16. And he kept going. And he didn't give up. And he kept standing. And he made a mistake. And he lied. And then, then in a different context, he lied again. <laughs> He'd grown in some other areas. I guess that area, you know what? It's also easy to look at the Bible from the outside because, you know, you don't know it's easier to read someone's story than to be the person in the story. You know, with all the, with all the stuff going around in your head. It's easier to be outside of the story. But then, he did it. Then, he, then it happened again. He lied again. Not too long after that, that very same person came to him and said, listen, I can't do without you. If you're close to me and we're not friends, I'm in trouble. The same person he lied to not too long before to protect himself because he thought he was in danger. That same person came to him and said, listen, you need to be on my team. If you're not, I'm done. But we can make a decision to draw a line in the sand and say, from here onwards, things that I will grow in stature, not just for the benefits I have, not just for the clarity of my calling, not just to understand how my calling will play out, not just because, you know, it's going to, when I, <clears throat> I get to heaven one day, it's going to be clear who was where on earth. <laughs> who, you know, you know the, the, what we started with the series of what Pastor Uber said, um, big, big position, small stature. Might not be as obvious here always, but I believe as we grow, we'll be able to see quite quickly. We can we can just quicker. We'll be ah no, we'll be able to tell if it's a position or if there's actually stature that backs it. But it's not always that obvious on this side. But when we get to heaven, it'll be very clear. You got then it's just it's whatever you've got. That's what everyone sees. So if there's nothing there, well then there's nothing there. You can't fake it. You can't fake it till you make it in heaven. It doesn't happen. So whether it's all the benefits we can accrue. Whether it's the blessings that happen on every level, whether it's the clarification of our calling, whether it's what we carry to heaven one day, even without that, just the fact that the stand I take can magnificently affect the generations after me. That's enough for me. Because that's, the, that's, that's legacy. That's something that carries on after you die. I mean, that's like what a... It's good to appreciate and enjoy life now. But, you know, if, if all that we do now just ends when I die, 
I don't know, but okay, you know what, I cannot speak for everyone, but I just think that it's sort of like, wow. It doesn't fill me with excitement. Like you came, you made a noise, and then after you left, like the noise is over. Like then someone else is making a noise. I mean, that's, it's that simple. Someone else replaces you. But, but if you've done some things which will, which will affect future generations, then I think you're serious. Then, then that's, that's living. That's life. And all this is saying is, as we grow in stature, it's a guarantee. As we grow in stature, the generations after us will benefit. So as we, as we, as we continue from here, as we go from here, as we, as we close this out, there are many reasons we need to grow in stature. There are, many, there are many, many, many benefits and many exciting reasons as to why we need to grow in stature. There's even, it's even the pattern that we saw, you know, we've seen right throughout this series, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So if, if our pattern is that we need to grow in wisdom and stature, well, then that should be good enough, That's even without everything else. But let us remember the upcoming generations. As we, as we fight a fight, as we stand, as it's difficult, as it's hard, as there's sacrifice, which is uncomfortable and inconvenient, and maybe just sometimes really difficult, those who come after us, our children, our children's children, and those we pour into, those who come after us will possess the gates of their enemies. They will never lose a battle. They will never not be victorious. And they will never not come out on top. Why? Because of how we lived. Because of the decision we took. I will live like this. Therefore, the generations after me will only be declaring the praises, the goodness of God because of all the victories they will see. How we live matters. How we finish matters. How we go through life matters. And it matters for those coming after us. Any legacy that God ratifies, that's the kind of legacy I want. And that's the kind of legacy every one of us have access to. We have an individual walk with God. And as we apply what He's saying to us, so things shift Things change and things are established for future generations. Our future generations will be victorious because of our stand. So the grace is there for us to continue growing in stature, to go from level to level, height to height, place to place. And as we do that, the generations after us will benefit. And... Another story for another day, but obviously then all of those rewards, whatever they benefit from, carries on accruing to us even one day after we've gone to heaven. Whatever, they, whatever their starting point they had, we continue to benefit as they continue to use it. So Father, we thank you that <clears throat> we can impact the generations after us. Thank you that there are benefits there's a pattern, there's a principle, there's a need to grow in stature. There's clarity which we won't otherwise have unless we grow in stature. But there are people, many people, many which we won't even meet, Lord God. Maybe down to the 10th, 4th, 100th, 
hundredth generation, Lord God. May that be the testimony of our lives down to a hundred generations and past as a result of the decisions we took. May they carry on being victorious because of the life that we lived, because of the life I lived, because of the decisions I made. Father, we honor you. We give you glory. We give you praise. We exalt you. We bless you. So much grace has been released into our church, over our church, through this time. We embrace it. We lay hold of it. We receive it. And we say, God, from now onwards, we will move like Elijah. As your hand came over him, as he outran the chariot, Lord God, in the same way, your hand has come over us. And we will run with greater efficiency and many other benefits. We love you. We honor you. We give you glory. We thank you. Thank you, glorious God, for doing more than we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. As we close, if there's anyone who wants to um, give their lives to Jesus, to make a decision to become born again, please slip up your hand quickly. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come out, but I just want to pray with you as we close. So if you'd like to make a decision, either a first-time commitment or a recommitment to follow the Lord. Um, I think we've shared a lot today and obviously the benefits, you can walk in that. You can embrace that fully as you embrace the Lord fully. Hallelujah. So that's you. Slip up your hand. We're going to pray for you. If there's anyone online, then you can pray for us. You can pray with us as well as we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to pray. You can join me. Father, we bless you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for my life, how you've created me, how you've formed me, and how you've made me. Thank you that today, as I make a decision to follow you and make you the Lord of my life, I leave every old thing I put it away and I thank you that you are giving me a fresh start, a new start, a great start. Dear Lord Jesus, I make a decision to follow you today. And as I do that, I thank you that you come into my heart, you come into my life, and I'm a brand new person. Thank you for doing more than I can ask or imagine. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we've come to the, we've come to the end of our service. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.